Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And to deal with sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, then the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. The word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. We have been doing scriptures from the book of Romans in the last several weeks. And I've been telling you that, that it's important for us to read scripture in context, that we need to know where a scripture fits in the overall narrative of a book or the Bible so that we can better understand it. Paul has been talking to us about sin and the effects of sin on our lives. He's also discussed basically how we used to be slaves to sin, but now we have been freed from sin to be slaves to Christ, to be servants of Christ. He has also shared with us that through Jesus we have freedom through grace and faith in him. But he has acknowledged that sin is a constant struggle in our lives. That every day we struggle with that temptation of doing the things that don't please God and following our own desires instead of God's will. And in the prior chapter that we covered last week, we learned that basically this is a fight that we can't win on our own. We can't do it by ourselves. We can't defeat our own temptation by ourselves. We actually need the power of God in our lives to be able to resist temptation. Paul basically says that we need to continue to rely on God's grace to save us by putting our whole faith in Christ Jesus, his son. We begin today with a statement of cause and effect. Anytime you hear a section in scripture that begins with the word therefore, you need to know that you have to read what comes before in order to understand what follows. 
Therefore is a conditional statement that says, because this prior thing that I have shared with you is true, then this thing that I'm about to share with you is true. It's a conditional statement that says, read the prior sections. So Paul was assuming that people in the church of Rome would have received this letter and would have read the whole letter. That they wouldn't just read parts of it like we normally do when we study scripture or preach scripture. We normally pick a chapter and a series of verses. He was expecting them to have read chapters 5, 6, and 7 before they got to 8. And therefore, he says, therefore, because of what I've told you in chapters 5, 6, and 7, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because of what I told you about how Jesus has liberated us from sin, because of what I told you about how his blood and sacrifice have covered us, because of everything that I've told you about the grace of God that was shown to us in Jesus Christ and that we have received through faith, there is no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. The word now indicates that it didn't always used to be that way. Whenever I say now it's this way, it means before it wasn't that way. So what Paul is saying, there was a time before when our sins remained. When we were under the law, it accused us. It pointed out our wrong, but it didn't provide us a way to make things completely right with God. People tried to do sacrifices and, and did those things that the law demanded, but it was never enough to cover the guilt of their, of their sin because the scripture tells us that the wages of sin are death. And because the law could not redeem us from our sin, then Satan, like an able prosecutor, would always remind us of it and bring it back up. You know, God doesn't remember your sin when he forgives it. Scripture says he throws it as far as the east is from the west. But the devil, he keeps a book on you. You know why? Because he wants to be able to remind you of every single time that you have done something wrong. He wants to remind you of every single failure. He wants to remind you of every single time that you have not lived up to your holy calling. He wants to remind you of all the times that you have fallen short. And like an able prosecutor, he is able to make a wonderful case for the fact that there is no hope for you because you are just not worthy of the forgiveness of God. But Paul tells us now, versus earlier, now things are different. Our situation has changed. Something has changed. And that something is that we are now in Christ Jesus. He has set us free from the law of sin and death. You know what a law is, right? A rule. And when you break a rule, there's a price to be paid. If you don't believe me, go 65 on a school zone and you'll find out very quickly that there's a steep penalty to be paid for breaking the law, right? They're going to give you a ticket that's going to cost you quite a bit of money. If you go over the speed limit and you break the law, there's going to be a fine that has to be paid. If you commit a crime, it could cost you your freedom. You could even be put in jail. 
for committing that crime. There's always a cost to our mistakes. And oftentimes that cost is very heavy. When it comes to sin, the wages of sin are death, which means sin definitely has a terrible cost. So what has changed? If this is a rule that every time you break the law, there's a penalty to be paid, what has changed? Well, according to, to Paul, Jesus Christ happened. Jesus Christ came in and he did what the law could not do. He did what the old sacrificial system could not do. He paid the price for all of our sin. He died the, the, the death that we deserved because of our sinfulness. He did everything so that we would not have a balance on our account when it comes to our relationship with God. We just can't appreciate enough what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. There's so much involved here. Think of it like this. He's like a firefighter that pulls you out of a burning building that if you remained in it, you would surely burn to death. He's like a doctor who treats you for an incurable disease and actually makes you healthy. He's like a defense lawyer who defends you in court so that you will not end up enslaved for the rest of your life. We owe Jesus everything we have. And because of him, we have it a lot better than we deserve. You ever heard that phrase? I'm glad we don't get what we deserve. It means that we recognize that we don't deserve the goodness and the grace of God, but that God is so good that he has given us Jesus so that we can receive it. As a result of this, Paul says, because of our thanksgiving to him for what he has done, we walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. We have come to Jesus and accepted the Holy Spirit in our lives and the power that the Holy Spirit gives us to resist temptation, to reject evil, to continue to seek God's will. It is the Spirit that brings focus into our lives. Without the Spirit, we're like a camera that can't focus. We can't get a clear picture of the will of God without the Holy Spirit. Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit so that it would dwell, dwell in us and give us power to be able to do God's work, to focus on God's kingdom. Even the power to be able to believe and have faith comes from the presence of God through the Holy Spirit. You know, if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit reviving our spiritual senses so that we could hear God calling us, we wouldn't be able to respond to his call in our lives. The power to believe and to have faith is a gift through the Holy Spirit. Now, if we live according to the Spirit, Paul says, our focus will be on things of the Spirit instead of the flesh. And focus, as I told the children, is defined as the center of interest, attraction, or activity. It is that which captivates most of our attention, most of our energies, most of our resources. For Paul, the Spirit should be at the center of everything that we do. Not just 
a side gig on the weekend. Not just something that we do sometimes. Not just something that we engage with when we're in dire need. Holy Spirit should be at the center of everything in our lives. Everything that we involve ourselves in. Everything that we put energy into. Anything that we put resources behind. We must think of the spiritual things of God regularly if we're going to maintain that focus and emphasis. And why is that important? Because what we focus on is what we actually continue to work on in our lives. It's what we actually try to develop and grow. And is there anything more important than our relationship with God? There really isn't. Everything else in our lives should stem from our relationship with God. And therefore, that must be the priority. And focus is really important because if you don't focus on the right thing, you won't get the right results in your life. If you are not able to focus on the spiritual things, you will get distracted. Think of the example that I gave the children with the aiming of the arrow to hit the target. If the target is God's will and you lose focus, then you won't be able to achieve God's will because you'll be distracted from where you're going and what you're about. And you know, when you hold that bow long enough, you start getting tired. You start getting shaky. And it gets harder and harder to aim. And the strains of life are like that. When we're trying to focus on spiritual things, the flesh tries to pull us back and lead us to things that, that are not good, things that lead us to death, things that lead us away from God's will, things that lead us to separation in our families, things that lead us to addictions, things that lead us to bad behaviors. All of those things come from losing focus. Putting our faith in Jesus takes a refocusing of our attention and our direction on a regular basis. When we set our minds on the spirit, the scripture says we experience newness of life and a peace that passes all understanding. How do you experience that? Only through the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. But I want you to think about how easy it is to lose focus. Anybody load their, their washer to do their clothes and then... Remember the next day that you forgot to put it in the dryer and had to redo it again? You lost focus, didn't you? You had a task before you, you started it, and then something came along and you forgot all about it and lost focus, and the result was that you had to redo what you did. How many times do we get affected by loss of focus in our lives? Have you ever started doing something and got distracted and, and then realized you never finished it? It happens to us on a regular basis, and it happens to us in our spiritual life. I like to call it the squirrel effect. Because we are so easily distracted. You know, squirrel, and the next thing you know is you're looking to the side and not paying attention to what you're doing. Sin distracts us from the spiritual things that God is wanting us to see and to focus on. And when it happens, 
The enemy uses that to draw us away from the path that God has laid before us. Sin, temptation, and the enemy reminding us of all of our failures are ways in which he gets our focus off of the path. You know, when the enemy tells you, oh, you, you should just not go to church. You're so bad. You did this and you did that. That's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. He is trying to knock you off your focus. And Paul is writing to the church in Rome and he's trying to remind them that they are not to be walking in the flesh, that they're not to be paying attention to the flesh. He says, you are in the spirit since the spirit of God dwells in you and anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, then that body is dead to sin, but the spirit is life because of his righteousness. You know, it's really good news to know that when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. He sees the righteousness of Christ attributed to us through faith. He doesn't see my mistakes. He sees the holiness of Jesus. He doesn't see my worth. He sees the worthiness of Jesus, his son. And this all happens through our faith and our trust in Jesus. But well, we got to maintain the focus. We have to let the Spirit in to dwell in us. If we don't have the Spirit of Christ, the Scripture says we don't belong to Him. And in order to have the Spirit of Christ, we must give it free reign in our lives as we have heard in the prior chapters. It's the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And it has to dwell in each and every one of us through our faith. When God looks at us, he recognizes and he honors his spirit in us. He no longer sees a fallen creation, but he sees a redeemed creation in Jesus Christ. The bottom line is Paul wants Christians to know that we don't live as those who are condemned to die. We live as those who have been redeemed for life through Jesus Christ. And this means our focus has to be on spiritual things and that we cannot let the accuser distract us from that focus. You remember Peter, he began to sink when he lost focus of Jesus. Anytime that we take off our eyes from Jesus, we're doing it wrong. Our focus needs to remain on him. And we have to remind ourselves that in order to keep that focus, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because it's not something that we can do on our own. Jesus promised us that just as he was raised from the dead, we will one day rise again to live with him. That promise was made to us. But that promise comes with a commitment to him. For us to just turn ourselves over to him and to continue to make him the focus of our lives. Our faith, our lives must belong to Jesus completely and wholly without any reservation. I pray that we're able to maintain focus and that when the enemy comes with his distractions, 
we will remind them of the scriptures that we have read and we have studied these past few weeks that say that we are redeemed in Jesus Christ and that he already paid the price for all of our sin. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you, O Lord, because it just reminds us that we are not living as those who are condemned, but as those who are redeemed for life. Help us to continue to keep our focus on your things, on your spirit, on your spiritual things, and help us not to lose sight of your will for our lives. We ask, O Lord, that we will give you free reign always, and that you will continue to lead us, O Lord, in whatever ways you need us to go. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The altar is always open if we need prayer. If you want to be prayed for, you can come to this section of the altar. If you want to pray by yourself, you can come to the reserve section on the right side and pray by yourself before God. Let us worship as the altar is open.